This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Silver and Black Flashback with your host, author of the Raiders Encyclopedia, Rich Schmelter. As always, thanks so much, Murph, for the great introduction. It's just great to be part of your show. Okay, Raider Nation, let's get into another episode of Silver and Black Flashback. There have been songs and books written about it, as well as films. In fact, the motion picture industry reigns supreme in the area known as Los Angeles and Hollywood. Since the 1880s, the city of Los Angeles has produced an allure that brought droves of individuals out to its surroundings of rich soil, beautiful beaches, and near-perfect weather conditions throughout most of the year. Some 40 years after the first boom years of the 1880s, Hollywood was officially the motion picture capital of the world. And with that distinction, you guessed it, the hopes of becoming a motion picture star brought countless more of the masses flocking into the area from all over the world. Even our beloved Raiders became drawn to this apparent American utopia and took over the area in true Raider fashion with tough football and championship glory. On this episode of Silver and Black Flashback, we are going to look back at the Raiders' move to Los Angeles. The crown jewel of the Los Angeles sports scene, the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, fell silent to professional football at the end of the 1970s after 34 seasons. This occurred with a July 25, 1978 announcement after the National Football League hierarchy allowed Los Angeles Rams owner Carol Rosenblum to move out of the Memorial Coliseum for the Anaheim area 30 miles south of Los Angeles. The void left by the Rams' departure saw over 7 million Los Angeles residents rendered NFL orphans after a four-decade love affair with their Rams. Ironically, the team once regarded as orphans themselves came to the rescue within three years. Rosenblum's announcement on that cloudy, drizzly July day in 1978 proved to be the infant stages of the Raiders' transfer to Los Angeles when Al Davis could not come to a mutual agreement with the city of Oakland regarding the Oakland Alameda Coliseum. The commission that presided over the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum expressed their desire of getting a team to fill their 92,000-plus seat stadium on Sunday afternoons to NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle. Roselle informed the commission that expansion was not an option at the time, but if the city of Los Angeles could persuade an existing team not satisfied with their current situation to relocate, then they had the green light to go forward with a sales pitch to come out to the land of sunshine, beaches, and the Hollywood dream factories. If a team wanted to move their operations to a different location, a unanimous vote of approval by all the other team owners was necessary. 
With the Rams still playing within the general area of Los Angeles, the Coliseum Committee knew that Rams ownership would not grant a positive vote that could make it possible for another team to come in and take away from their fan base. For that reason, the Los Angeles Coliseum Committee smacked the NFL with an antitrust lawsuit in October of 1978. With the lawsuit hovering over the league like a hangman's noose, it was decided to change the unanimous vote rule to only one needing a majority of three quarters, which was 21 out of the then 28 owners to approve any decisions. However, to pass the new rule, another unanimous vote of all 28 owners was still needed in this case. All but one cast a positive vote, with the lone holdout being none other than the master of nonconformity himself, Mr. Al Davis. Davis decided to restrain from voting, but did agree to change his opinion if his fellow owners gave him the right to move the Raiders in case the prospect arose. Officials from Los Angeles had already been in contact through written inquiries about the Raiders relocating, but Davis up to this time had not reciprocated. This was not to lay claim that Davis's thoughts were not focused 400 miles to the south of Oakland in Los Angeles. The Maverick owner was very astute to the fact that Los Angeles was a huge market just waiting to be saved from the absence of professional football. Despite sending inquiries to other potential suitors, it became extremely clear that the City of Angels sought pro football's bad boys most of all. One month after the Rams' announcement that they were heading to Anaheim starting in 1980, the Los Angeles County Supervisor Ken Hahn made it abundantly clear that the Raiders were the team the city wanted. Despite the buzz about football's renegades traveling 400 miles south down Pacific Coast Highway, the Raiders seemed content in Oakland. They had 75 straight sellouts at home, and the fans were some of the most loyal throughout the NFL. However, regardless of the passion possessed by the Northern California chapter of Raider Nation, there loomed discontent about the Oakland Coliseum. Davis had requested improvements to the locker room, the public address system, the press box, and the desire to have luxury suites installed. Unfortunately, even though his team was one of the most successful on the field, his pleas were ignored. Davis saw the rise in player salaries looming on the horizon and felt that luxury suites would allow his Raiders to achieve a huge financial boost that could keep the team competitive while obtaining quality players. It was figured that the Oakland Coliseum could hold 64 luxury suites, but nothing seemed to be moving forward in regards to constructing them. Also, the facility seated 54,615, which ranked the stadium 24th out of the then 28 teams in, as far as capacity. Any thoughts of expanding on that number were also ignored. Now back in Los Angeles, there stood the Memorial Coliseum with a massive seating capacity that almost doubled that of the Oakland structure. To add to the vast seating capacity was the fact that officials in Los Angeles were willing to construct 100 luxury suites on top of other provisions necessary to lure a team. The Raiders' lease on the Oakland Coliseum was set to expire following the 1979 season. In January of 1979, Al Davis was in Los Angeles for that city's final hosting of the Pro Bowl. Jim Hardy, the manager of the Memorial Coliseum, and Bill Robertson, who headed up the Los Angeles Coliseum Commission, talked with Davis on a prospect for the Raiders to head south to Los Angeles. It was also brought up to Davis during the presentation that beside his Raiders, the committee was also courting the Baltimore Colts, Minnesota Vikings, and Miami Dolphins. Now at this time, Davis stated that he was not interested in moving. 
In the first few months of 1979, he still attempted to get his desires across to the Oakland Coliseum Committee, but to no avail. Later that year, Davis started up very intense conversations with the Oakland powers that included the city's mayor. Unfortunately, both sides still remained worlds apart. Now, in the meantime, NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle heard Davis was considering a possible move to Los Angeles. Prior to Minnesota being granted a new dome stadium deal, Mr. Rozelle did not appear to have a problem with the Vikings looking for a better facility outside of Minneapolis if conditions were not accepted regarding their current stadium. When the Vikings received what they sought in Minneapolis, Rozelle informed anyone who came within an earshot of him that he did not want any teams to move. Even though Roselle seemed adamant about any team looking to move to a different location, Davis still discussed his situation with the commissioner. Davis expressed his desire to be granted the same opportunity given to the Vikings when they wanted to relocate before getting a new stadium deal. Davis was not looking for a brand new stadium, but only some much-needed improvements on the existing one. He also brought up the possibility of his moving the Raiders to Los Angeles. Now for this action... Roselle sent Davis a letter in January 1980 that proved to be a very negative rebuttal that basically informed Davis that moving without following league rules would lead to repercussions that would prove detrimental. Roselle also knew that there was no way the rest of the owners would approve of Davis's intentions. Now at the time of Roselle's unflattering letter, the situation in Oakland was stagnant and not appearing to be remotely close to any resolution. It appeared to be at this junction that the Raiders were now seriously looking toward Los Angeles as a future residence. Meanwhile, in the week leading up to Super Bowl XIV, the Los Angeles Coliseum Committee created quite a stir. The lawsuit they threatened against the NFL 15 months earlier now had a legitimate leg to stand on. When first looking into their legal standings against the NFL, it appeared null and void without a valid document for the Memorial Coliseum. However, with the Raiders now getting closer to transferring, the Los Angeles Coliseum had a better case against the league. Once city officials back in Oakland found out that the Raiders were getting close to possibly moving, they wanted to meet with Davis. Unfortunately, the end result was only a ruse, as the Oakland group decided not to go through with any of Davis's requests. To add to his problems was the fact that Davis realized none of the other team owners would vote favorably for his Raiders to move to Los Angeles. It was at this time that the legal system and the Raiders became a common bond, involved in nine lawsuits. A judge in Los Angeles gave the Raiders a huge break when he prohibited the NFL from standing in the way of Davis's move down Pacific Coast Highway. In retaliation, the city of Oakland got a temporary restraining order against the team. Davis's lawyer saw Oakland's actions as an illegal ploy and referred to it as an act of civil disobedience. What was meant was the action could not prohibit the Raiders from moving. The lawyer felt that Davis was correct in his reasons for leaving. Davis and his lawyer went to Los Angeles, and after two days of serious discussions, on March 1, 1980, Davis placed his signature on a contract that officially made the silver and black a soon-to-be part of the Los Angeles sports landscape. One week prior to the agreement, Oakland tried in vain to hold on to the Raiders by filing an eminent domain suit that meant the city looked to take control of the team away from Davis and run the organization. This case was resolved in the spring of 1983 in favor of the Raiders. The Raider organization continued to create havoc when Roselle called a meeting two days after Davis agreed to move to L.A. 
Roselle confronted him about his plans, and Davis informed the commissioner that he indeed was relocating and did not think that a vote by his fellow owners was needed. Within 24 hours, Roselle answered Davis's challenge by slapping the team with a breach of contract lawsuit in the Superior Court of Alameda County. Also included in the league's attack was the desire to take over the Raiders and kick Al Davis out of power, but that motion was swiftly dismissed. One week later, the NFL owners voted on the move, with 22 opposed and 5 restrained from voting. The Raiders decided to get in on the legal free-for-all by teaming up with the Los Angeles Coliseum's antitrust suit against the NFL. The only thing now holding the Raiders back from moving was when a federal court decision wiped out the Los Angeles judge's previous ruling that allowed the Raiders to move on the grounds that a trial was in the works. Simply put, the Raiders had to put their reservations on hold for at least the 1980 season. In May of 1981, the antitrust trial started in Los Angeles. After two months of both sides bashing each other, it equaled out to a no decision by the jury. The Raiders were once again scheduled to play in Oakland for at least one more year. The Raiders finally caught a break on May 7, 1982, when a unanimous vote by a jury sided with the silver and black, ruling that the league's attempted roadblock of the move was in violation of federal antitrust laws. On June 14, 1982, the Central District Court came to a decision that the NFL could not prevent the Raiders from relocating, and on July 5, 1982, the Silver and Black committed to a 10-year deal with the City of Los Angeles. To add to the Raiders' streak of good fortunes, on April 13, 1983, a jury awarded the Raiders $35 million from damages received in the antitrust lawsuit. When the Raiders relocated to Los Angeles in 1982, they were still in the midst of their glory days. The bad boys of pro football were always regarded as a melting pot of personalities, much like the city of Los Angeles. This helped to provide the Raiders with a new, vast fan base that took to the team with unbridled passion. The sale of Raiders merchandise rose to unbelievable heights, and from 1982 through 1985, the Raiders ruled Los Angeles, with massive crowds filing into the L.A. Coliseum to watch them pound out victories and opponents on a consistent basis. By the latter portions of the decade, however, the massive Coliseum was virtually barren, as the team's fortunes began to decline. Trouble in the area near the Coliseum and fights in the stands were commonplace on game day. The team's lack of success due to poor draft picks and aging of star players, coupled with the unsafe environment, meant that less people were willing to come out and support the Raiders at the Coliseum. By 1987, Al Davis realized that the Coliseum could not suit his needs for very much longer and looked to different locales outside of the Los Angeles city limits. The nearly 70-year-old Coliseum still did not have the luxury suites or other improvements that Davis was promised at the dawn of the decade when he was wooed to the City of Angels. The time seemed right to seek what Davis felt his Raiders so rightfully deserved. He wanted a modern facility with all the perks necessary to compete in the highly competitive professional sports marketplace. In August of 1987, the city of Irwindale rose to the forefront as the designated new home of the Raiders. Located 18 miles east of Los Angeles, Irwindale officials planned to build the Raiders a new stadium and an old rock quarry. The Raiders were even paid $10 million as an offer of good faith. However, the deal fell through, but the Raiders kept the non-refundable $10 million. Very, very slick move, Mr. Davis. The Raiders were now $10 million richer, 
and the city of Irwindale, $10 million poorer. During the summer months of the following year, speculation was high that the Raiders were looking to return to their native Oakland, with Alameda County officials and the NFL both in approval of the trek back to Northern California. Over the course of three years, after delays mounted, Davis decided to remain in Los Angeles on September 11, 1991. The new deal caused fans in Oakland to use Raider merchandise as kindling for numerous bonfires. The new deal struck by Davis in Los Angeles did not mean that the emperor of Raider Nation was satisfied with his current dwellings. He sought what seemed to be a great opportunity to build a stadium in Hollywood Park, located 11 miles southeast of downtown Los Angeles in Inglewood. Everything seemed to finally be coming together between the Raiders and the city they called home for a decade. Once again, however, a pitfall loomed, for it appeared that the NFL wanted to bring another team into the area and share the new Hollywood Park facility with the Raiders. Davis had grown weary of sharing a stadium with another occupant, as he had to coexist with the USC Trojans at the LA Coliseum. Davis wanted his own stadium, dedicated solely to his Raiders, and nothing else would appease him. Apparently, the league would not budge on their idea of dual existence in Hollywood Park, and things were at a stalemate. Davis did not want a shoving match with the league that could prove to be nothing more than another delay in getting the best deal possible for his team. He found a solution to his dilemma in the same geographic location that he left 13 years earlier. On June 23, 1995, Davis signed a 16-year agreement with the city of Oakland to return the team back to its place of origin. One month later, the city and team came to a mutual understanding about improvements that Davis wanted and never received back in the early 1980s. Happy to have the silver and black back, city officials gave approval to renovate the Oakland Coliseum with luxury suites plus other amenities that would please Davis. The project got underway in late 1995, and by the 96th season, the work was complete. And with the move back to Oakland, the Raiders' stay in Los Angeles was reduced to memories, but what a collection of memories they were. For over the course of 4,795 days while representing the city of Los Angeles, the Raiders continued on with their tough brand of football, earning headlines for wild antics on the field as well as off of it. Along the way, the Raiders brought Los Angeles its only Super Bowl victory, coming in just their second season representing the city in 1983. Also, amidst the glitz and glamour of Hollywood, the Raiders saw the emergence of future Hall of Famers Marcus Allen, Howie Long, and Tim Brown showcase their talents in Los Angeles, as did Bo Jackson, who overtook the sports world with his amazing abilities as a Major League Baseball player during the summer and as a devastating running back for the Raiders in the fall. Head coach Tom Flores guided the Raiders for half of the team's stay in Los Angeles, and his success from that time earned him a place in the Hall of Fame. And let us never forget Art Shell, the great Hall of Fame offensive tackle who entered the coaching ranks following his illustrious career. In 1989, Shell became the first African-American in pro football's modern era to be appointed head coach of an NFL team. So many individuals have come and gone through the city of Los Angeles. The elite few that managed to grab fame and stardom in Hollywood are never to be forgotten. The Los Angeles Raiders, as a collective group, are one of the elite that managed to grab success in the City of Angels. 
The Raiders' second stay in Oakland lasted until their move to Las Vegas, beginning with the 2020 season, and there is no telling the heights they will achieve in Sin City. Hopefully, more Super Bowl trophies will be added to our team's incredible story. As always, thank you so much for listening, and most important of all, love your Raider Nation! This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Say big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big.